This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Well, hello and welcome to the Academy Show podcast on the Blood Red channel. Uh, firstly, an apology as this is our first Academy Show in probably about six weeks, I imagine. But uh, hopefully we couldn't have timed this one much better given what happened at the, at the weekend. And I say we because I'm pleased to be joined again by Matt Addison, who's currently serving on the Liverpool Echo sports desk uh, and who was in the office on Sunday when Liverpool's senior side, if we can call it that, beat Everton 1-0 in the FA Cup third round at Anfield. Matt, it, w- it was Sunday, not least for, for Liverpool's Academy. Yeah, I mean, obviously any Merseyside derby win is a fantastic achievement for the football club, but when you put it into the context of the players that were playing and the whole academy system really would have been watching on and and been really proud and I just think they they cope so well and we were saying yesterday on, on Blood Red how even though it was an academy team, it was a young team, it was still a Liverpool team and it was still very much the case where they've come in, they've done well, they look really confident there was no sort of awe or or anything negative that that came out of it. They all seemed to be inspired. They played, you know, all of these young players as well as I've seen them play. Um, obviously, the goal topped it off for Curtis Jones, um, which I'm sure we'll get onto in a second. But yeah, just a, a fantastic occasion, and and for them to fit in so cohesively with with what Jurgen Klopp's players do at first team level, it just sets it up really nicely for, for what should be a big year for the academy. It does whet the appetite for the move to Kirby, the, the full squad and the academy all training together because as you rightly said there, the players came in and played as if they'd been playing for the first team for a number of years. It's clear that the club has an identity and philosophy of, philosophy of playing style. When they do become on the same training pitches together side by side, surely this is only actually going to increase the bond and increase the chances of actually playing more regularly. Yeah, I think it's going to be a big thing this year. It's obviously something that the, the football club has wanted to do for a long time and Jurgen Klopp sort of accelerated that process, if you like, and it's looking set to finish on time, still move in over the summer, hopefully get pre-season together. Um, and, you know, not that there's any issue at the moment with the, the cohesiveness and, and the move between you know, the academy and the first team. It's a role that Pep Linders did before he became Klopp's assistant and Vitor Matos now, who's, who's come in this season to, to fulfil a similar sort of role. That seems to be working absolutely fine and if if they can strengthen that even further, then it just bodes well for the future. Most definitely. Let's go back to Sunday, first and foremost. And you've you touched on me a moment ago. Curtis Jones, he's someone, I mean, you've spoke, to, spoke about at length, haven't we, uh, this season? We were wondering... He, he played well again in the pre-season tour, but he had a few opportunities at the, the, the Carabao Cup, obviously scored the winning penalty against Arsenal. It was a big moment, but wow, what happened there on against Everton on Sunday was even bigger. It, but it wasn't just his goal, it was his whole round performance. Yeah, I mean, he, he's one of those where you, you knew there was a big moment coming and that felt like a big moment on Sunday. Not just the goal, as you say, the, the general performance, he, he didn't look out of place. None of these young players looked out of place in that Liverpool team and... To be honest, I think I've seen him have more complete performances. I think he's played better, but obviously not at that senior level in that sort of environment, live on, on TV in front of the whole country and, and in a Merseyside derby. So for for him to get that, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again, he's a, a real talent. He's a player that's come on a lot over the last 12 months. He's took on a lot more responsibility and I think it would be no surprise to anyone if, if he gets a few games maybe even in the Premier League between now and the end of the season, certainly looking ahead to uh, the end of the month. Liverpool's fourth round draw, you'd imagine he's absolutely nailed on to play in that and 
I think the only thing stopping him playing more regularly for the the first team this season is if he goes out on loan, which could happen. Um, certainly, there's a, a few sides interested in him. I know Swansea City have, have expressed interest, and probably after that goal on Sunday, a few more might just have joined the queue. Do you think if a loan move was to happen this month, it would happen after the the Bristol City or the Shrewsbury Town game? Yeah, I think the the game's going to have to be on the the Sunday because Liverpool play. I think Wolves on the Thursday. Yeah, the twenty third. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's going to have to be the Sunday or the Monday. So um, yeah, you, you'd imagine that probably if if any of these players are going to go out, they'll probably play in that game first. But then. I suppose at the same time, Liverpool do have a few options at first team level if Oxley chamberlains back. Fabinho's probably back by that point as well. But yeah, I think just to, to be on the safe side, they'd probably wait, see what happens between now and then. If, if anybody else gets injured, probably play in that game and, and then go. If they are going to go, go after that point. Another player who I don't think will be going out on loan this year, but maybe it's something we're going to be discussing in the years to come if he if he doesn't break into the first team. But the more and more I see of Harvey Elliott, he's got like that Wayne Rooney kind of aura around him, a 16-year-old playing men's football and looking completely not out of place. Again, he was up against Luca Dean on Sunday, a fully-fledged France international fullback. And certainly the second half, he gave him the... The, the run around he's, he's really a special talent this boy isn't he yeah I mean he's, he's just got so much confidence hasn't he things you know to, to a young player can sometimes phase them and sort of make them a bit more hesitant and with him that just isn't the case he, he does exactly what comes naturally to him he's got so much ability so much quality on the ball and sometimes with young players you, they might make a wrong decision or they might make the wrong pass at the wrong time with him even that seems to it just seems to come naturally to him. It's not something that's forced or coached. It's just a natural ability that he's got. And I think look, there's, there's so many exciting youngsters coming through. But as a 16-year-old, to, to be doing that regularly, to have done it as well for Fulham at first-team level, you know, it, it, it certainly bodes well for the future for, for him to, to push on. And when you consider that realistically he doesn't have to make himself a first-team regular at Liverpool for five or six years imagine how much development he's going to do in that time imagine you know how much physically he's going to develop mentally but technically as well he's already at that elite level where he doesn't look out of place he's just going to get better and better and better as a Liverpool fan have you ever seen anything like this with him don't want to give him too much hype but a 16 year old you know Curtis Jones doing absolutely fabulous as an 18 year old much old not much older himself but 16 this is I say I, I used the, the Rooney reference because off the top of my head that's the only one I can think of really yeah I mean there's not too many 16 year olds who, who've played for Liverpool at, at that sort of level I think Jack Robinson was the, the youngest one he was only a few days lo- younger in a, in a Premier League game but Harvey's the youngest in an FA Cup he's the youngest in a Merseyside derby you just you know the, the ceiling is, is absolutely vast for him to, to continue to improve and and keep playing as well as he is and he's in the best place I think to to learn from Mo Salah of course he's not going to displace him anytime soon or anything like that but if he can continue to develop continue to improve and mature as well as a person and as a player off the pitch then it's just it's massively exciting for everyone and the, the best bit is that he's not the only one is he not at all we'll speak about more of those young players now I think Harvey Elliott, as good and as promising as he is, it is going to be hard for him to get into that first team, given the options out wide and in attack. But probably an area Liverpool are a little light in uh, is fullback, because they've got probably the two greatest fullbacks in world football at this moment. But beyond that, Milner's had to, to fill in. Joe Gomez has played right back, but we'll stay at right back. But Nico Williams now has really emerged, hasn't he? You know, we've, we've seen 
little bits of him this season. Again, the Arsenal game, he was superb, but I think he was one of five players that Ian Doyle gave nine out of ten to in his, his player ratings after the match, and deservedly so. This 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 lad looks ready now, doesn't he? You know, if if not for Liverpool's first team, given the fact that Trent Alexander Arnold's in front of him, but certainly in the squad. Yeah, a hundred percent. He's another one that you can certainly see. There's there's games between now and the end of the season where you'd imagine that he'll play in the Premier League. If if Trent needs a rest or he picks up a little injury now and again, I don't think anybody would be worried if if Nico came into the side. I think you put him alongside ten other of, of Liverpool's first team regulars. And you, of course, you, you notice a drop off because it's Trent Alexander-Arnold. It's the best right back in the world. But I still think Liverpool would be more than comfortable going into Premier League games. I mean, take Southampton at home, for instance, the first of February. I think that one is. So a few games between now and then where Trent's probably going to have to play, and that that sort of stands out as one where you think maybe, maybe you just put Nico in. And before this season, you'd never have thought that. But the development that he's done, he's shown against Arsenal, who are obviously a, a top-class team, didn't look out of place at all. And Of course, it finished 5-5, but it was a bit of a mad game. <laughs> yeah. But then he's done it against Everton as well. So he's ready, 100% he's ready. Um, you know, he's had injury problems, he's had difficulties, but he looks physically ready now as well. He's at an age where either he's going to want to play matches for Liverpool, whether that's sporadic or whether... You know he can can make himself a regular somehow, um, but if not, again he's another one who could could quite easily go out on loan to a a Premier League team, even not even a Championship team. He, he's certainly certainly ready for that level, and you wouldn't be surprised if if he makes himself a regular at the top level sooner rather than later. And if that was to be at Liverpool, it does kind of open up the enticing possibility of maybe Trent Alexander move Trent Alexander Arnold, sorry, moving into midfield. This was your point you made to me before this podcast started, and I think it's definitely one worth exploring because certainly on Trent, you've seen it against Leicester on Boxing Day. It's almost like not a waste to play him at right back because he's one of the most creative players in the world from there but it does kind of give you the impression that maybe one day still a young man himself that he could play further up the pitch and play in a Gerard right-sided role a De Bruyne right-sided role yeah I mean he, he's basically De Bruyne right back isn't he that's, <laughs> yeah. that's how he's been described this season I think he is you know he is absolutely of that quality potentially in, in future years and I, I've always been one to say why would you move him why, why would you take him away from a spot where he's established himself, he knows it inside out, he's one of the most important players in a Klopp team. Obviously, we know how Jurgen Klopp likes a more functional, doesn't, doesn't quite seem the right word, does it? But no. a more functional midfield. Yeah. Um, and then to let Robertson and, and Alexander-Arnold do what they do. In a couple of years' time, though, if, if Jurgen Klopp moves on, maybe a different manager comes in, you can certainly, you know... Let's just, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but let's say Steven Gerrard is Liverpool's manager. Steven Gerrard can can have a sort of version of himself in midfield there. <laughs> Nico Williams can come in and do the right-back job and I don't think anybody would, would have any worries. For now, for now, I'd keep Trent at right-back, but certainly it's a, an option in future. Yeah, it certainly looks like Liverpool's right-sided options are boxed off for the years to come. And at left-back, Andy Robertson has got the number three shirt nailed down. We all know that, but he looked tired in certain games over Christmas period, understandably so, given the amount of matches he's played and given what he puts into matches. And then we saw on Sunday James Milner filling in in that position and then coming off early with an injury. I'm sure we'll hear 
more from Jurgen Klopp later this week about the severity of that. But yes, Larucci, another young player who came on and again, another young player who absolutely thrived. He was uh, a person we all became aware of in the summer on the, the pre-season tour. Kind of dropped out the picture a bit when we spoke in the past. Uh, in, sorry, spoke previously this season. He's been playing in a variety of uh, positions for the academy teams. But he looks a left-back, doesn't he? He looks another full-back in the Liverpool-Klopp mould. Yeah, absolutely. A Jurgen Klopp full-back. And I think for for him, you've got to put it into the context as well. He didn't start that game. He would have been thinking of, you know, James Milner. He doesn't get injured. He's not, he's not going to be coming off. I'm not going to get on here. Nine minutes in or, or whatever it is, he ends up coming onto the pitch. And I mean, Theo Walcott just looked terrified of him. You think of, of someone as, as quick and as experienced as Walcott and he just he didn't do anything in the game, did he? So, uh, yeah, absolutely amazing for, for him to get that experience. And I must admit, I was slightly concerned when he came on just because of the situation, as I say. And sometimes he, he does have a tendency to get a bit excited and find himself a bit too far up the pitch. But I thought, you know, alongside better, more experienced players and in that Liverpool environment, he seemed to to fit in really well and I think you've got to give credit to Joe Gomez who was obviously on that side of the pitch with him he's obviously talked him through the game and, and helped him out but I think you look you look at the, the pure physical specimen that he is the speed the, the strength he's got everything you need and just a, a little bit more coaching I don't think he's quite at the same level as Nico Williams is yet <laughs> but over the next couple of years he's got every tool to, to make himself a a top-class left-back or or wherever he, he wants to play on the pitch, he, he's got the ability to do that. So LaRucci, Williams, Elliot Jones, all with bright futures at Liverpool. And I don't mean to be harsh when I say this because we don't know his future at Liverpool, but I tell you what, he's if he, this is one of his last appearances for the club, Pedro Shiravella is certainly going to go out in style. He's, he came in from the cold for it. It was a big, big surprise. He was probably, the, when I was picking my team for the game, it was probably the one position I thought a Henderson or Ronaldo may play he came in and he, he was excellent which no doubt we're going to discuss now but what's happening with him he's, he's out of contract in the summer there's been reports this week that he may get a new deal but there's been reports earlier this season that he could move away Rosenberg won the team supposedly interesting what do you think is going to happen with Pedro? Yeah it's a, a strange scenario with him he's not somebody that I've ever come across before in this sort of way like you know his contract situation I think I think you're right I think his contract does expire at the end of the season some reliable reports this week coming out um, to say that potentially he might get offered a new deal. Um, but he, he is 22 now. You think it's it's probably the right time for, for him to move on this summer. He's turned down moves to, to Rosenborg in the past. If they're interested again, is he going to want to go there after after playing for Liverpool? Probably not, but I think... I think he's got a top-flight future somewhere in Europe. I'm just not necessarily sure that it's in England. I think probably physically he's not he's not quite built, I don't think, for the Premier League. I think he'd probably be better suited to a, an Italian team, a, a Spanish team. But certainly, I mean, how good was he on Sunday? I mean, some of his passing, some of his, his interceptions and his tackling and that sort of side of his game, you, you do think he can do a bit more sometimes at academy level, but alongside better players he, he just seemed to elevate to a new level and I mean there was, there was a few standout performers on Sunday but he was certainly one of them and he was one going into the game I was a bit concerned I thought midfield you know you've got Sigurdsson and, and various other experienced mm-hmm. players in that Everton team but he, he didn't look phased he stepped up to the plate delivered a top class performance and 
you know, midfield is, is one of the most important positions in a on a on a football pitch and I thought Liverpool dominated the the game for, for large periods and he was a large reason for that. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Just before we move on to the actual under-23s and under-18 teams themselves, I think just want to kind of finish off on a point that I think you, you, you brought up at the start of the podcast, but it really does underline that performance, let alone the fact that it was a, a derby match, that Jurgen Klopp, Alex Inglethorpe, Pev Linders, all the coaches, Neil Critchley, Barry Lutus, the blue, the, the, their imprint is all over this club now, isn't it? it? It does prove that there's a real identity from... 16, 17 year olds all the way up to Mo Salah, Roberto Firmino and I thought Klopp was brilliant after the match when he talks about the principles that you have to adhere to to play for Liverpool but it really did reinforce that message that, that this is one club, one team almost Yeah, 100% I think you've got to give massive credit to Alex Inglethorpe for that because I mean most of these players are now at an age where as they've come through the system at Liverpool he's virtually been there for their entire Liverpool careers and these these players coming through at the moment are kind of they're in a position where he's shaped their career. He's been there right from the start, and we're starting to to sort of see to see the sort of end pathway, if you like, of, of players who've come in. Obviously, they come come from all over the country, all over the world at a young age. They have to be moulded. They have to be transformed into Liverpool players, not just top class footballers. And I think that the structure that Liverpool have got there, it, it just seems to be working. Most definitely. We don't apologise for focusing so much on Sunday and the young players who did so well for Liverpool. But it is the Academy Show podcast and we do most of the time focus on what's happening with the under-23 and under-18 team. So we will shine a spotlight on both of those. Now, uh, earlier in the day, on Sunday, the under-23s were in action. Understandably, it was a a weaker side, if that's the right word to use. Uh, They played Manchester City and lost 1-0. Uh, mid-table at the moment but having a decent season and let's face it the bigger picture here is that there's players here who from that under-23 team who are playing for the first team Yeah, I mean the the league table of course is important to an extent but the main thing is that there's a progression and there's a pathway even those players that that weren't involved on Sunday a lot of them I think Jake Kane played I think one or two others that are, are under 18 regulars ended up playing for the 23s and you know they won't have been looking at that thinking oh, I wish I was with the first team they'll have been thinking well you know a few months ago this was Yasser Larucci this was you know Curtis Jones this is the pathway that I've got to take and yeah they, they ended up getting beat narrowly 1-0 at Manchester City um, but a very competitive game and I think they're uh, you know they're, they're in a situation which is a bit strange for them where lots of their friends and, and people who are a similar age are, are moving up to Melwood now but I think you've just got to take the positives and and look at it as a case of if they can do it, I can do it as well. And I think that's that's the way that the academy is set up to be. I think they're all delighted looking at all the social media posts that they've put out and all the pictures of, of them watching their mates at Anfield. It, it must be um, going into that changing room day in, day out. It must be a, a great place to be at the moment. Definitely. And it's a changing room that's got a new face in. Joe Hardy, 21-year-old striker from Brentford. Got down on my notes here that you kindly provided for us, Matt. <laughs> that he's Wirral born that I didn't know, but I know he scored a lot of goals for Brentford's B team. Uh, he played against City. How's this move come about? I believe it's because th- there's a real lack of strikers there. It's a great opportunity for him. Yeah, I think it's almost a, a knock-on effect from we expect Rian Brewster to, to move out potentially to Swansea this month. Um, and as you say, with, with Paul Glatzel injured, with... 
Bobby Duncan having moved on last summer, there's just a, a little bit of a, a lack of options really at, at youth level. So um, he'll come in and I think, what is it, 40 and 80 he got for Brentford B yeah, team. Not bad. <laughs> not, not a bad record at all at, at any level. So yeah, 21-year-old, originally from the Wirral, played for Manchester City before he went to Brentford. So he's he's played at, at a top youth team before and yeah, he should should slot in and, and hopefully he can you know, fire them up the table, but also provide a different option at, at youth level to to cover for the lack of options that, that are currently available. And when's the next time we can see the under-23s in action? I believe it's in midweek, isn't it? So, it's uh, tomorrow, I think. Oh, it's, it's actually the, uh, tomorrow. Yes. Sorry, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. yeah so, so it's the next day after we record. Yeah, this week is um, Athletic Bilbao in the, I think it's the Premier League International Cup. I hope I've got that name correct. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, a big game, of course. They've, I think they've played one game in the in the group so far. PSG at top of the group, but they've played twice. So a big opportunity for for Liverpool to go top of that group. Um, and yeah, it's a a similar sort of Champions League type group phase, then a knockout phase, and it's uh, another opportunity for them to to go far in that competition. So Wednesday the 8th of January if you're listening to this it's off let's go uh, Bilbao and then Southampton at home back in uh, Premier League 2 on Monday the 13th and now we'll just switch the focus to the under 18s because they were in action at the weekend as well they beat Blackburn 3-0 with a couple of goals from a striker we've spoken about previously on this podcast he's in good form Leighton Stewart isn't he? He certainly is he's an excellent young player uh, 12 for the season now and he seems to to have come on a lot this season He's one who was with the under-16s last year. Obviously, as we said, there's, there's been a few striking difficulties, if you like, for the, the youth teams this season with players having moved on and, and being injured. So he's been moved up and Barry Lutis is a big fan of him. He's a, a hard-working player, as you have to be, to, to play for Liverpool. And I think, obviously, the most important thing for a, a striker is to put the ball in the back of the net. And he seems to be doing that fairly regularly. Two, of course, as you said, over the weekend. So... Liverpool now five points off top spot in that division. Again, how how important is that? You know, I'm sure to the to the players they'd rather be top rather than than where they are now. But again, if uh, he keeps scoring goals, keeps developing as a player, potentially uh, moving up to the under 23s either this season or, or certainly next season, I would think. And what made that victory more impressive is again it was a very young team. It was that trickle down effect because under 23s or top youngest players in the first team squads would that hit the under-23s and then it would hit the under-18s as well and I believe there was uh, a first start for a player under Barry Lutus. Yeah, um, I believe Max Voltman's first start, I think he's come off the bench once or twice but sort of been more um, on the periphery this season. And Lucas Stevenson as well, um, he, he played um, both of them from what I've been told did really well and yeah, it's it's just exciting to see a few new names. Of course, we've we've followed the under 18s keenly over the last sort of eighteen months or so as they've gone through the FA Youth Cup and ended up winning that. And Barry Lutus this season had a an almost completely different squad to work with, and he seems to have moulded them into a a cohesive team, as you might expect. It, it takes a a little while to get going, but then they're now now in that rhythm and play Stoke City next so hopefully they can pick up another three points in that yeah that's 11am away at Stoke isn't it this Saturday January the 11th we will be back very shortly with all the review of that Stoke game and the under 23 games as well but before we finish this podcast uh, one of the last ones we did because I think the last podcast that we did as the Academy show was you and Guy together but you came up with a new feature and I really liked it it was like one to watch and back then it was Tyler Morton Uh, 
now we're going to do one now again, one to watch. We're just going to do every podcast, but you're going to maybe look ahead for the year ahead, or you, do you want to just well, how do you want to play this? Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think we'll go uh, go a 2020 one. Yeah, to why watch, not? Why um, not? With it being the start of the new year, slightly new take on a new feature. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> keep it fresh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I think uh, there's been some deliberation on this. I, I had a few options, um, but I'm going to keep a couple of those up my sleeve for later in the year. Uh, so I'm going to go with Abdi Sharif. I think this. Uh, this season, he's he's had a bit of an injury. Um, he, you know, big things were expected of him with the under twenty threes this season. I know Neil Critchley was was really disappointed that he got the injury. I think just as the season was about to begin, he'd, he'd done quite well during pre season and was expected to be one of those who stepped up from the FA Youth Cup winning uh, team into the under twenty threes. Hasn't quite happened for him yet, but another exciting player, somebody who likes a likes a dribble, likes the ball at his feet. A wide player tends to play off the right, but he can play sort of more centrally and, and off the left as well. And I think I'm not too too sure how far down the line he is with his recovery. I believe he, he's not too far away from coming back. And of course, when you've been out for for five six months, it's it's going to take a little while to get up to match fitness again. But hopefully, he can stay injury free during the course of this year and finish the season strongly. And, and you know potentially. Going into the start of next season, he could be a, a big player for, for Neil Critchley. Well, good luck to Abdi and his recovery and certainly a name to remember there. Matt, thanks very much for joining us, mate, on the Academy Show podcast. We will be back a lot sooner than we have been <laughs> in the past, but it did feel like in December that it was game, press conference, game, press conference. It's nice to chance to have a bit of a, a breather now, isn't it? Well, before it really kicks in again. But Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good stuff, mate. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.